Uh, How are we doing on uh, the four there? We're good to go. All right. Well, welcome back. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to... Just bash your face into the microphone. Can you hear this? Yeah. Good thing you have that bill on the cap or might break your head. Yeah, where's your fishing hook? You gotta have a fishing hook on there. No, I don't want that. Why not? That's a really nice. You don't want to be a fisher of men. Does that hat say truck country (laughs) or truck county? Right now, Uh, (laughs) that's nice. It's a free hat. I wonder why. Where where does truck (laughs) truck country start? Yeah, why are there borders and their plans to build a wall? Oshkosh. Who is in charge of truck country? Are there elections? Who's the mayor? Who's their acting president? I don't know. Is it authoritarian (laughs) state? We're really going about this. This is crap. And now we go to Columbia on Marks. Yeah. Well, I was well, there. Very I was there. Actually, I yes. was there. So it's hold on, hold on. Let me let me intro real quick. Okay. So okay. welcome, welcome back to the Gems of History podcast. Uh, I'm your host Evan Roosh uh, with my co-host Jacob Shop. It's and a relaxed episode. It's a very relaxed. It's not episode. an official episode. But uh, we have two uh, very important people with us today. We have former co-hosts of the Gems of History podcast, Mark Steinbrenner. We out here. And uh, we have a recurring guest, Austin Keezen, with us. <laughs> that's the official national anthem of truck country (laughs) i'm using a different mic than usual so hopefully it sounds okay and if it doesn't well that's what you're getting right i had to uh, to improvise and borrow one so so today we're just doing more of a conversational episode uh with two lifelong friends uh they both served in the navy uh for six years and four years or both six years yeah so basically both six basically both six six years gotcha well, yeah, just wanted to have a conversation to ask them what their experience was like, ranging from, I mean, who knows what we'll all cover, uh, ranging from, like, I guess, what that boot camp experience was. I mean, you guys traveled all over the world, too, and, like, have some pretty cool stories. So this idea kind of came to me. Um, of course, it was, like, Veterans Day earlier Yeah, we kind of missed the mark on that one, because Evan had to go and get into a car accident. We- <laughs> <laughs> Oof. You say boo? <laughs> like he was in, like, not on him. The other guy. Oh, it was a poor. It was a poor performance. I'm so, I'm so, I feel like I'm at a press conference after yeah. NFL game. His driving stats went down. Oh yeah, I got cut from so re- many driving I'm fantasy have to football the film teams. And see what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the idea came with Veterans Day. Uh, I just felt it was like a natural thing to have you guys on because, of course, we say like Happy Veterans Day and. Like the thank you for your service, but I don't think a lot of people have perspective on how much, like what that actually means, like your guys' service in the military and how much of real true dedication it's, it was. I mean, six years, five years, that's a lot of time. While I was in college paying thousands for a degree that I don't really need. So for, <laughs> you guys are out there like traveling and like experiencing like serving the country. So I think that's really cool. So first question is like that six years, does that start when you get to boot camp or is it after you graduate? It, it is from... day one of boot camp. Okay. So that's when your six years officially starts. Yes. From the moment you show up, it begins. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I wasn't sure if it was like you sign on for six, but you go through boot camp as like a separate thing. And yeah. And that's continue. totally fair. Actually, a lot of guys do what's called DEP. I actually don't know what the acronym stands for. Do you know? Mm-mm. Johnny, basically, like like, school, like deployment yeah. preparation for like going into the military that lasts for could last for anywhere from like just only three months to a year or more, depending on when the person's planning to leave. I think mine was like eight months. Okay, but that's basically where you're like dealing with your recruiter and going to your recruiting station, and like you meet maybe once a month or something like that, and get it, get ready to deploy to boot camp. 
Mm-hmm. That obviously is not part of your contract, but it is something you basically signed up for by enlisting. That's something I always wondered too, because all of you, like you do all have actual contracts with the government. Yeah, and which you don't, really, I never really knew before. Yeah, doing like a little research before this. Yeah, the main the main thing about that is you you've signed up for something. You basically like pledged that I'm gonna do this at this point. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing reason most people can't enlist or don't is health. Like if you don't have a perfect bill of health going into it you'll be denied most cases like to even get in in the first place so how did a jigsaw puzzle human <laughs> like was, yourself get in well was just because say, you have random parts of your body popping in and out of where there should be yeah at any given moment i've yeah. seen you put your el- or your shoulder back into place more times than a person should well a big part of it is being good enough until it starts <laughs> <laughs> and then you get in and it gets worse because obviously the military is really physical so like if you think i was bad then like the amount of issues the military caused was I got in like tenfold. Dude. See, I, I think your grand plan all yeah. along was like, let me just like make sure I'm good to get through this part, yeah. and then I can use all of the free benefits to yeah. fix my issues. Well, you know, <laughs> just you're, you're not you're not disclaimer. That's not true at all. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the military takes care of you, but yeah, man, it, it's definitely a tough to balance yeah. like. Your health getting in, like compared to a lot of people, like I was actually in a good spot. Like I'd meet a lot oh, of people yeah. who were like, oh, in a way worse spot. <laughs> well, like, what the hell are you doing and here? I mean, it's, you're like a fit person. So yeah, that's, right. that's just like a huge step. Exactly, one. exactly. So for me, it wasn't bad. There were some people who were like, they're, they had actual, like there are people who actually um, did probably not tell the full truth about like their oh, health sure. thing. And like that really effed them over probably once they got in. But, yeah, yeah, but as far as it goes, that's why it's so selective about who can get in initially. Like at least they they tell you that, mm-hmm. right? To make you feel extra proud. But yeah, like the health thing, you got to be pretty healthy, and then I don't know. I guess there's actually a, the Keezing can tell you of too, but there's like the moment of truth when you get there. No rabies. Can't have any rabies. No rabies. That's yeah. the. I would. Rabies is like a sudden onset. Rabies is like ninety nine percent fatal. So I would hope. Is you it? Wow, that's a lot. Rabies has only came up in the book Old Yeller, so I don't think well, you have too much. Just put it out there. You never know. All right. Well, let's not horse around. Keys. What? What? What did you? Get I guess in? Mark's running the interview. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what did you? What did you get in for? Like, what? What was your job when you got in the Navy? What did you sign up for? Oh, I was gonna ask. Like. Oh. Uh, when you were like 17, 18, like getting into the Navy, I guess, what was that process of like recruitment like, as well as, you know, kind of what was that draw to like go to the Navy? Well, I'll just say quick Navy? because I'm pretty sure Keith and I had the same recruiter it's pretty kinda, much. Yeah. yeah, my brother is in the Navy. Oh, duh. Ben, yeah. Yeah. And he ben, was a recruiter yeah. in our area at the time. Swindled me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got, got here at, real good. You're yeah. here at 27. I've been hoodwinked. Yeah. <laughs> I finally know. No, it was, I don't know. I just didn't know what I wanted to do sure. for college, and I didn't want to go and spend money for four years. That I had no idea what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So, and I wanted to travel, and I know I had relatives, my grandpa and uncles. They were, they were actually army, but I don't know. I just wanted to. Kind of like do my service, I guess. Yeah. See the world yeah. while I could. That's why I chose Navy. And it helps to have good buddy's brother sure. as a recruiter. Mm-hmm. It really made the process a lot, you know, really easy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's a scary time. Both yeah, of was... you have had family in the military then. Yeah, multiple members. I have three brothers who have also all served. And then obviously, I mean, we want to go way back at this point. My grandpa's did. I'm sure a lot of yours did too, but. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, back to your question, if you want to 
Say it again. Yeah, I just wanted people to know what, what Kizan did for his job. First, did you go in with an idea of what you wanted to do versus what you actually ended up doing? No. I honestly had no clue what was available. So they basically give you all these spreadsheets. It's basically like a detail, like different sheets that detail each job. So you can, whatever, depending on your, your score, your ASVAB score is, how you test in that, they'll give, well, that and like what's available. Sure. Like what, basically the needs of the Navy. So they'll give you those sheets and, you know, you can usually have a choice to pick from. So mine, I think I had like jet engine mechanic. I had, there was a couple others, gunner's mate, which is what I took. That's more just handling of small arms weapons. basically problem solving kind of stuff like that and it actually so. is a good rollover into the fact that jobs in the military are very niche as far as like they need you to be an expert in your field so they're not going to give you a job that is just like overarching like uh navy man i mean there are those <laughs> yeah. where like, they just like have you doing anything but like he's just learning like jet engine mechanic like you, right. you will become a specialist in your specific field because one, you're in the military, so there is supposedly only so much we need to know to begin with. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, we can't afford people to have careers where, like, we talk about things like finance mm-hmm. in the Navy. I would say the correlation is like you you specifically just worry about like like stocks or like something like that. Like sure. I feel like that's the correlation that jobs in the Navy where like right. they need you to be really really good at at what you do, as right. opposed to like a more broad ranging. So it's not a situation where one person wears a lot of hats. No, I mean, that happens. That happens. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of the position you're put in. Like, if you're in more of a, say you have a ship and your department's really small, you could be taking on a lot of different jobs. Mm -hmm. It really depends where you're put. I think, um, like Mark was saying, with, like, job-specific, it almost leaves you, doesn't leave you a lot of room for civilian life. Depending on what job, because like, you're like air traffic control men, but they also yeah. have the highest suicide rate, so they're not many. Like, oh god! <laughs> oh wait, whoops, got dark there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That was dentist. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right, right. But Austin, you mentioned uh, what was it? The A A Mat ASMAT score? What ASVAB. ASVAB. What does that entail? Like, is that what it stands for? It's Navy's version of the ACT. Okay, so it's like a written. It is. It is. It's on the computer, but it's the same thing. It is the ACT for the Navy or for the military. Actually, the ACT is universal. So I'm sorry, the ASVAB is universal. Okay. Oh, really? So all branches take the same test. So they also like other recruiters. If you decide like, oh, I decided not in the Navy, the Army can call you and be like, well, we see your test score, and you are a dumbass, but (laughs) we'll take you as like uh, infantry. We have room for them. Yeah, we have a front line. Yeah, yeah, we have (laughs) not even joke. Like that is a thing but, right yeah. we need someone to clean toilets so yeah. uh well, interesting. we did plenty of that too meanwhile the air force is like we don't have room for you yeah. right. it's <laughs> yeah. like nah not enough chairs here sorry <laughs> yeah. so i know mark you tested particularly well on that and that's why you got like an intelligence job is that kind of how it worked uh yes and no i I met some intelligence specialists who weren't that intelligent. Okay. But, but, uh, <laughs> Boom, roasted. It's in the job. But it does. Yeah. Like, the say you, names, the, say names. <laughs> I'll say this. The better you test, the, maybe the more opportunities you have to you. But as Keeson said, there's still a certain like needs in the Navy thing. So I could test really well and be eligible for something, but they may not have that available to me. Sure. I like, there is, just because someone tests well, they may pick the same job as one person or another. Okay. And intelligence is still in big. Like, like I... 
like Kizan has to be super smart to do what they did. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, so not like, not saying that you tested bad, Austin. Yeah, just, yeah. Actually, I think he tested really well. I think he told me my score. He might have had the same score I did. There you but, go. Uh, what did they? The cutoff is different. The Navy and the Air Force have a different cutoff than yeah. like Army and. We joke about that because like the Air Force is like, uh, like that really smart people supposedly oh really yeah so like, is that why they're the branch that i, I feel like as an outsider gets gets shit on the most well we, we call them the chair force because we no. joke like they, they're just always sitting around at computers but like right but like they are they are pretty smart people yeah. on average but uh anyway the point being yeah so like i got into intelligence so you'd have to test a certain like level for that but on top of that there's an extensive like background check i'm sure you guys remember actually oh, i yeah. think everyone yeah, here everyone here we yeah, all got did that. Ask for, like, yeah, is yeah. mark a terrorist it's like well this one time we were playing madden he was kind of a dick you can't trust that guy he turned the xbox off right before i could win he's bullshit he told me that he beat through the fire and flames on expert i don't believe him for that he's a liar that guy he's a liar this one time he screen peeked and like the lady like stops the interview like you better watch your words right now uh but no so it just depends but yeah for reference mark was intelligence we had to all get asked like various questions like a person came to our house and asked like oh does he have like a questionable record or anything yeah. like that just to make sure that he's not like trying to get into a position Dude, i remember being so nervous through that time because they, they actually uh my first interrogation and i would call it that uh for getting my clearance they they made me feel like i should be locked up like without even answering like they they basically we're a for this is for the top secret clearance, which I actually appreciate this fact. I mean, you don't just want random people getting these clearances and walking around. With you that don't want like the captcha asking, like, "Are you a robot?" To yeah, get into the top secret. Clearance. <laughs> right. for, for real, like, how you, many squares have bicycles? Yeah. <laughs> okay, those are tough though, because it's those like, does are, this does this motorcycle count as a bicycle? I don't know. Right, like they are so much more tough. If there's now. like a little bit of the tire in this one, right? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you, you, it was just a, a stressful situation. But then I'm in boot camp, which is already stressful, a little emotional, exhausting is really what it is. You just don't sleep that much. And I'm thinking about all my buddies and, and their parents. I remember... Oh, so I probably don't shouldn't name names. But I'll bleep it out. Yeah, I'll bleep it out. A person we know from growing up... Uh, actually got called for this kind of thing so like oh, it's every, really? yeah it's every every person under the sun mm. and you're just in boot camp already stressed out and you're kind of like you know what are people saying about me am i going to get this clearance the person right. i just had an interrogation with made me feel like i should probably be in prison right now yeah. <laughs> like you just don't feel good about it but obviously it all worked out and and i'm very grateful and it was it was nice to have but yeah, getting a, a clearance is no joke and i, I do think he's going to do maybe a secret level it was one. secret yeah, yeah. Not so. as stringent as yours by any means, but I think it's the same thing. I think they called a few people, put a few people on there for the yeah. list, and that was about it. How so, many how many tiers of intelligence are there? Like you mentioned, like you got top secret yeah. clearance. Like how many, or are there tiers? Like how would you I I would say, base that? I would say it's really just secret, top secret, and then beyond that, there's like specialty and then like where the bodies are buried yeah but where it goes yeah i would say um the most blanket statement i can say is it's called need to know so once you have that top secret you're good Mm -hmm. at that point if you have the need to know on stuff there were things like just because someone has the highest level clearance 
they have no idea about a lot of stuff because sure. if it's not within their purview, they don't tell like a blanket, like everyone who has access to this based on the clearance. Like, no, that's not a thing, which is good because if I'm working on something close quarters and like someone in Europe has the clearance, but they're not re- involved with my mission or my whatever task, why should they be privy to the it same could information? compromise something. Yeah, that's too. really mm-hmm. not good. So need to know is actually the highest level of clearance, which is like not even a clearance level, but it's the reality is. No, if you're not in that scope, you're not going to have access to that information in most cases. Interesting. Okay. So it is really, I guess, in that situation, like mission dependent or action dependent. Very much like so. Very okay. much so. So somebody's like, SEAL Team 6 had a mission over in Africa. Like, Mark, did you know about it? No, I didn't have to know about it because <laughs> like, that was need to know. Like, right. I, I did not need to know. I was not right. running the mission. So while I have clearance for that, I was not involved. Hence, it's not published on a network for me to see. Right. There's no just library. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Don't I say too you. much. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you had a question? I was just going to say, like, boot camp for you guys. Like, how stressful, scale of one to 10, was it for you guys on an individual basis? Because I, think... I know that people have different experiences with it, obviously. <clears throat> but I think the biggest thing, it's not. I mean, it is strenuous, and it's just, I think it's just a culture shock, because, you know, you go out, you go in, and you just, you're hanging out with friends, family on the outside, and all of a sudden, you go into the boot camp, and it's just, it's regimented, everything is. Every yeah. second of the day is like, you're do, you're being told what to do, and it's like, when to sleep, when to eat, when to shave, when to shit. <laughs> I mean, you're being <laughs> yeah, told you're when to do it, again. and it's, it's almost frustrating. I think boot camp was really frustrating, because... I think from our backgrounds, like if you guys went in, you guys would have been fine. It's like the same thing. How you grow up, how you're raised. You go in and, you know, you do what you're told. You just, you know, do it yeah. without giving that back sass and you'd be fine. That's yeah. where I got in my first fight was boot camp because I just wasn't used to people not having a certain level of character, basically. Oh, It's sure. not that hard to do what you have to do for the sake of getting by. I just yeah. don't think it's that. Like, keep your head down. And we'll all get through this and it won't be a big deal. Sure. You'll meet people in boot camp who are who just don't have that experience. We're like they're they're loud mouth. They've always had it their way. Or they they've probably now let me be clear, they've probably had a hard life. But part of getting through that hard life is that like they've made character choices that are not helpful towards getting through something like boot camp where they have to bring everyone down at the same level right right you get the kids that think they're the cream of the crop or the they're king of the 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 schoolyard and kind of try and take that mentality with them sure so coming from like our background it's hard to to put yourself in their shoes and be like why are you this way like you're making it hard for all of us like it is very much a one team thing so like if they're screwing us over like i'm gonna pay for it and that's fine but if this guy's making me do a thousand push-ups because he literally can't shut his trapper, like I'm gonna be a little upset about that. And it's hard. It's it is hard to put yourself in their perspective. And by the end of boot camp, the idea is that they have come around because they've literally made everyone basically humiliated and um, brought down to the same. Like that's the reason they shave everyone's head. Is oh, that they yeah. don't want anyone unique. None mm-hmm. of you are better than anyone else. That's why they make everyone the same, from your hairstyle to your importance level. Everyone is is the same in boot camp. That is really interesting, and I'm sure develops a really good team mindset. And like you mentioned, just that frustration probably just makes you such a better sailor in this case. 
just because you you really are all in it together. Yeah, Keeson can tell you in boot camp where like the guys who think they're leaders start their first couple weeks where they're like, guys, this is what we have to do. Like we're gonna get through this. Did like, people like, try to give like like oh my favorite like, team captain pep talk? Yes, oh, yeah. initially, yeah. initially. Oh my god! But then the people who are trying to sleep like shut the hell up! <laughs> like <laughs> trying to sleep. I'm trying to sleep over here. Yeah, <laughs> that's always how it goes, dude. Well, because they had like our pox, they called them. Right. Yeah. There's like, there was a lot of different. It's basically like, yeah, like the main guy is like the guy that gets you into formation and stuff. Yeah. Not usually, even that usually they the like anoint an Arpok. That dude gets canned. Initially. They always <laughs> have make an example of the first guy. Like you, I, I, this is an advice to anyone who's going to go to boot camp at some point. Don't be the first Arpok. That guy's not going to make it. No. It's always, a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. That guy's getting canned for sure. And then, uh, but anyway, the RPAC's kind of like the leader. The troublemaker. No, he's a good oh, guy. He's, he's, a good guy. he's, he's usually the guy, a goody two-shoes. And some high schools, they have it where they have, it's like an early depth program. So, like, they'll have, like, sometimes, like, reserve military come in and they'll run drills. And it's like a pre-boot camp type of deal. That's usually, they're like, hey, has anyone done this before? So, Person it's like raises. voluntary preparation beforehand? Right. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So the first person raises the hand, they're like, all right, you're our Pac. Well, after the first couple days, it doesn't end well, usually. How long is boot camp? Well, two months. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, it's all at the weeks. same place? Yep. Yeah, down in old Illinois, Great Lakes. Did you guys both go to the same spot for boot camp, or Mark, did you go somewhere else? No, all uh, Navy boot camp is in Great Lakes, okay. Illinois. Gotcha. What's that process? So you're done with boot camp, right? Like you just got done with this frustrating, um, I guess you mentioned like kind of in a way like, or excuse me, just it's very tiring. Like you're frustrated at times. What happens when you're done with boot camp? Well, I guess what's the feeling of being done with boot camp? Like just weight off your shoulders? Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was pretty weird because you go the whole time once you get out, you know, you see your family, it's graduation day, so your family's there and you're talking with them and mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's all smiles, you know, hugs and all that stuff, good times, but then you're kind of just like, well, what do I do now? Because <laughs> you find that you get your phone right. or, you know, talk with your family, you get your phone and it's like, well, I could sit and look at this for two hours or, you know, you just don't know what to do really. Just back to the normal world. For kinda. me, it was a little different. I didn't go after, I had to go back. I didn't have to go back, but once I graduated, I was going straight to different schooling, which was for me right across the street. Oh, not that's sure right. Yours was. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah, you do not. Want, <laughs> you do not want to pick a rate where you stay in Great Lakes because mm-hmm. A and C school culture in Illinois is very much like boot camp. Not like the same level, of course, but it's more. It's 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 definitely stricter definitely because ass there's more it. higher ups there. It's like a central hub for basically training and c, c so school is c like, school follows a school if you have a c school not every rate has a c school oh, basically okay. like if i'm it's a major almost yeah you i know, almost don't like, want to i don't want to like insult anybody uh it's just like let, advanced let, let, school. yeah let's just say yeah. like you have a job mm-hmm. that has extra specialty you go to a c school so like oh, i'm okay. let's i can put it i can just use myself if, if you go to intel there's a generic Intel school that's a school, but then oh. if you also need to be a specialty trained imagery analyst for satellite imagery, you go to a C school for that. Got it. Okay. 
So, yeah, that's how that goes. Interesting. Yeah, it was. And so you went across the street for your C school? Yeah, well, I went for A school that was, it's called ICC. So it's like introductory, I don't know what the exact terms are, but it was like basically electronics. Basically knowing how electronic like circuits work. Because with GMs, there's a lot of different, I don't know, subcategories. You could go for small arms. You could go for the missiles or like Didn't torpedoes. Didn't choose missiles? Well, you couldn't choose. It, oh. really de- it really depends where you go. If you get sent to a ship, you'll get to learn torpedoes. you get to learn uh, missile systems and all that and small arms. But I got sent with a different approach. Right. So, and then you focus on the small arms. Yeah. Right? Primarily. No, he's got pretty big arms. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're long. You mean Basically, these guns? <laughs> wings like an eagle over they're there. Long, yeah. you know? <laughs> they just displayed me during the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> like, get up there. Where? The mask. Yeah, they like, put oh. like an eagle like co- or a mask on it's like it's then, like ah. you with the major at the front of the ship, like a Titanic scene. Right, <laughs> I was the morale specialist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Supervisor of boat morale or ship morale. That's right. incredible. Makes me think of Hot Rod. I can like see <laughs> in like that America, like oh my gosh, cape. yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. So, the, so you guys are done with boot camp. You guys get your assignments. You finish up your after school, like the the secondary schooling you got to do. Then where are you guys from there? Go ahead, keys. That when you get us, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you're good. Well, I guess mine was pretty much, well, you go across the street, you do that A school, electronics, whatever. Then you go to your C school, which is your, uh, it's basically weapons. It's all your, you know, small arms that are to the, because there's different sections of the Navy. So like blue water Navy, which is like your warships and all that stuff, the main Navy. Mm-hmm. So they have a different set of like firearms, I guess you could say. Like standard issue. Standard issue stuff, right? And then I went to Gulfport, Mississippi, and that was that was for like a section it's called it's like combat medic. Um it's not medic training, but it's just like basic like combat skills, like medic and shooting and In stuff case like you that. Need it, yeah. Right. And then my next school I went to let's see Virginia Beach. No, it was Newport or Norfolk. Is it Norfolk? Little Creek. It's one of the bases. I went there for schooling for like two months, and that was kind of what my specific job in Bahrain would be. That's because I got those specific orders. So that's more, it's basically ship security. Okay. So, so you Bar- guess- where's Bahrain for people who don't know? Bahrain is, it's a tiny, you can't even see it on the map. And as you zoom in, it's a little country off the coast of Saudi Arabia. It's on the, I guess it would be on the east side. Okay, so you had, like, once you got your orders to where you were going, then that kind of decides where you're going to go for more schooling afterwards? Right, if you need it. Sure. I'd say, if you're going to a ship, like, my scenario is, it's pretty few and far between. Like, it doesn't happen as often as, like, going to, you know, a warship. Sure. If you go to there, then more times than not, you don't have to go to another school. But, in my case, it kind of had... Separate, you know, a couple other schools you had to get involved in. So all that schooling, is this roughly, like, that's year one, it sounds like, between boot camp and, like, all the schooling. That's oh, that was, that's year one, yeah, like, at least? Two months there. I was in Great Lakes for eight months. 
Mm-hmm. So I was waiting on orders after schooling yet for a couple months. So and then with the other schooling, it's about a year. Yeah, I think oh, I wow. think my boot camp, A school, C school, was like nine months, ten months. Yeah. That is interesting because, like we talked about before, it's all contract based. Like it's a contract to you and the government, and they make sure like year one, like you know what you're doing. That's before why they send different you off. rates have different contract agreements. Right. If your school's longer, your contract is going to be longer. Right. Like they, they, they've they already pre-evaluated. Like, if you're going to be in school a long time, mm-hmm. that contract's going to be longer. So it's not yeah. like you're making... It's not like, oh, it's a sick deal. It's like, man, I score really high. And I'm here for... I'm yeah. a lifer now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was, yours, was yours six or four? I was six mandatory. Yours was yeah. six. See, mine was four. I signed for four. But I was in Bahrain for... Say, I did a year mm-hmm. for schooling. And I was in Bahrain for two, and then they wouldn't give me new orders since I had one year left in my contract. And I'm like, they're like, well, you can either stay here, which at that time I kind of wish I would have, just because the money was great. Bahrain, I was tax free, so you got oh. didn't get taxed on your money, and right. you really didn't have anything to spend it on out there. So it was it's kind of a out there. it's kind <laughs> of a kind of <laughs> a good grab. That's basically all I could. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because Bahrain. I just looked it on. Uh, on Google Maps, is it like a? It's an island. Yeah, right. And it's just got like one bridge to Saudi Arabia. Right. So it's and it's its own country. Yeah, it's actually the first country in the Middle East to discover oil. Really? So nope. that might have something to do with the taxes, which is or lack thereof. Up, by the way, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But yeah, so I had that year left, and they're like, "Well, you can either stay here for a year and get out, or you can take these other orders, but you have to." Extend, mm-hmm. okay. which is what I did. Extended for a year. Gotcha. So, so, well, what you did? I think we hung out after that. We did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, parties oh, in yeah, Virginia. Yeah. And, yeah, it was fun. So, what was your time in Bahrain like then? Like, what did you do once you got those orders? It was hot. <laughs> well, the Very first hot. the first thing you had to do was probably Google where yeah. Bahrain <laughs> is. Like, I just going. had to. Like, yeah, that flight over there was probably. I still remember stepping off the plane there and. I should say out of the airport, not off the plane, but I walk in and it's just like immediately just hot. And then being from Wisconsin, you don't feel that heat. I've never been out it, of It's the, like actual hot, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it is, people think it's dry heat out there. It's not. I was it's just humid. about to say, did you yeah. drop the, uh, well, at least it's just a dry heat. Right. It'd be it's so it's, bad if it wasn't for the humidity. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> As it's like 115 and you probably boil an egg. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, in the mornings you'd wake up at like five thirty, five, and it'd be like ninety degrees already. You walk out and wow. you're sweating. Sun's not even up. It got bad, but I don't know. Like in Bahrain, I probably spent maybe ten months total in country. Okay. The rest of the time, I was out on a ship and multiple. Miami was hot too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah, my air conditioned apartment was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was hard. Yeah. Oh. But I but, guess what was the uh like you mentioned you were on a ship for how long? It was I was on six or seven different and, ones. So they're supply oh, ships. Wow. Okay. Just ships that refuel, they uh kinda like redistribute like food and mail and stuff like to the warships. Did anyone hate on you guys for like the fact that the supplies you're bringing was shit? <laughs> like 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 oh here comes our food shit. Oh, this stuff sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, there's a few pallets that dumped overboard. Oh, oh no. Yeah. And it was pretty neat because they called, some of them they do by, they line. So they shoot lines over to the other ships and then they'd 
kind of like almost like a pulley system they'd oh send over packages yeah. like that other stuff that did unreps by hand it's by like hand. it's like uh yeah. pirates of the caribbean you get like your what your thing you gotta whip it over there <laughs> yeah enough people have missed too it's just like okay come on after the third time right, i was gonna say third time's a charm there jimmy right but they did like vert reps and stuff with like helicopters so they'd pick it up pretty much go right over and put it down I don't know, that stuff is really cool. I got videos. Probably show you guys. Sorry for the listeners. Yeah, we'll post. That. He's got some pictures and stuff he's going to show us so we can post some of those on uh, Instagram and stuff. Right. Well, yeah, I don't know, six, seven ships or so. And it kind of depended. Sometimes I was on one for about eight months, and then the rest were like two months at a time. Nothing crazy, maybe a month. What's so, the, uh, like, what do you do like while you're on the ship? Like, are you out on sea for that entire time? No, we, between ports, it kind of depends. We'd, I think the longest time I was out at sea was like just shy of two months. Oh, that, wow. that wasn't great because my Spotify account it like went <laughs> offline. <laughs> so I didn't have that and I didn't have any songs saved. So it's, you do 12 on, 12 off. So you're on watch, you're at post 12 hours and then you're off for 12, basically. I mean, you have some breaks in between there, but it gets pretty boring. You're looking at basically nothing. And I'm not making light of Keith's experience, but like, <clears throat> and that's really bad. But just keep in mind, the average deployment is seven to nine. Oh, really? So if you, like, it's really bad. I'd say, I'd say there's just pros and cons there because, yeah, they, I think they get off at, I won't say nicer or cooler ports, but I think they, I don't know if they get off more frequently or not. I don't know. I guess depends it really on depends the on the ship. Yeah, it depends if there's any COVID or not. Yeah. Those ours, guys were on a ship for like four months straight. Oh, ours my God. Not, they yeah. got like caught on. Talk about getting that. to know somebody. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. All right, Mark. Mark what, what about you? So you finished up your A school, <laughs> C school, all that good stuff. You said it was nine, ten months. Then where did you go? Okay. Then I got stationed in Miami, Florida. Oh, look out, people. It was <laughs> not terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the boys would know. Uh, yeah, um, I was stationed at uh, United States Southern Command, which is an intelligence uh, command command. There are command commands uh, throughout the world, basically dealing with their geographic area. Mine was responsible for uh, basically South and Central America. And I did intel there. I love uh, the, uh, oh, command, command. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, every... AOR, like area of responsibility, has a command command where Keezen was, falls under a command command. And those are like the big boys. So, like, they have a whole geographic area. Big missions or whatever that are happening go through those commands. And there you got a bunch of intel people or whatever the case is, like, kind of like providing the information for like what we're going to do. Sure. Uh, mine was again Southcom. So, uh, it was a good time. A lot of drug issues. <laughs> what? Uh, not yeah, personally, not personally. You don't. Yeah, yeah. This just turned. And now this just turned into an intervention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. When um, you, when you're, I guess, can you describe like the day to day of your job and in intelligence sure. as much as you can? Yeah, yeah. Or Keep allowed mind, to. Most of what's classified as TTPs, which is like tactics techniques and procedures so Mm -hmm. i'm obviously not going to get into any of that but uh i can tell you about like my day-to-day so um 
I say that now. I gotta like take a second here. Walk I in guess. the minefield. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> intelligence yeah. work. Yeah, <laughs> but actually, part of like the training is is for like under any circumstances. Like I'm talking about like even being like drugged, like not saying anything. So like yeah, it's not. But like I've been a civilian for a while. Good thing we slipped LSD. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. yeah right. like the actual, yeah, 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 the actual yeah, experiments. Yeah. No, yeah. I wouldn't. I would learning. never say anything. I couldn't. But. Well, I mean, that is true just with, like, you never saying anything, even when, I think when you first got back, and we just, of course, had some, had some beers, and yeah. I remember I tried to, like, slip one past you, like, yeah. ask you something, you're past like, goalie, yeah. just, like, immediately, like, well, actually, no, I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it shuts down immediately. I've, had, I've been in group conversations with Mark and other people have, like, tried to ask him, and I'm just like, guys, just, like, yeah. you're not going to get anything. No, and no, then, like, you're after the not. fact, they've talked to me, and they're just like... I'm glad you told me that because otherwise I would have kept pepper. Yeah, like, no, it's not. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But. Um, a lot of dark rooms. Well, what I'll say is this is, and I mean literally dark. Uh, I, I was uh, a specialist in satellite imagery, mm-hmm. so I can tell you that because I obviously wouldn't say anything about the details. Um, basically observing things and making intelligence reporting based on what I was observing, and then occasionally doing like missions. Re- mission reports i i had to deal with uh the deployment to columbia one time and that was a totally different job so like basically what i'm talking about now is not related to my deployment but um day to day i'd go in i would do probably five to eight hours of intelligence where you're writing reports it gets put a certain place where the people who need to know about said reports find out about that information Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of on a cycle i would actually say going to high school, our high school education was so big towards what I did because on the low key, a huge part of my job was to be a writer. I was as much a journalist as I was anything. I had to write a lot of reports that if I didn't have a good education, like I would have been effed. Like (laughs) literally I I wrote long winded reports. I wrote reports that went to the white house, like essays about various Intel things that had Mm -hmm. to do with like, you know, it could be anything that was going on with an enemy or whatever, but that would get published and then everyone can see it. And I will tell you this for Intel side of things, your career can start as quick as it can end or mm. vice versa, whatever. Like if you mess up in Intel, let's talk about the guys at Pearl Harbor in World War II. Sure. Those guys who didn't think that those were enemies coming in, because I don't know if you guys know, but those actually were picked up on radar coming yeah. in and they were like, oh, you know, no big deal. Like, those guys were done. Right. Like, and I actually knew another guy who had messed up on something. And I can say that it was a movement of a ship vessel. Uh, he was supposed to keep an eye on it. And if it moved, report it. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it got, it did move at some point, And he <laughs> did report it. And he was done. Like, can we ask how much it moved? Like a fair amount. <laughs> okay, uh, let's like put it this way. Enough, it's also a ship. Enough, like, enough to intercept that ish. Yeah, <laughs> oh and 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 they would have, I'm sure, and they couldn't. So that's unfortunate. But, but I, I mean that with the Pearl Harbor thing too. Like there was an attack by a Japanese sub, like a couple months before Pearl Harbor happened. Yeah. So it's like it's not like we weren't on alert that the Japanese were in the area. Yeah, so, they were up to a little something something. Yeah. So whoever was on that didn't do their job and that's good it's good and bad like if everyone knows that in intel you're one mistake away from losing all credibility Mm -hmm. meaning like if people know you made a mistake and they see your name as the signature block for the report that went out they won't read it because they'll be like i don't trust this dude it's that bad it's that bad you like i'm not talking about you get fired i'm talking about you probably you probably do get less work because they don't trust you as much but two when you stuff does go out people are like 
I don't, I'm not going to read that. Or so like, do you, not... as a, like in an individual case, if that like is you, if yeah. you're that guy, yeah. do you know that? Like, do you oh, have, yeah. you, you have yes. signs that tell you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You're very much aware that actually a lot of them become instructors because their Intel work. <laughs> the is irony. In, well, because they're trained, so right. they know what they're doing. But they no longer can do what they're doing. Well, and then they're just like, don't do what I did. Truly. I literally had instructors who would train me, and I like these guys. But they would have been like, I messed this up. I wasn't allowed to do Intel anymore. Sure. And, they, and now they're teaching me how to do Intel. Like, it, it, the thing is, it, it's kind of amazing, but like, it's true. The problem with that is the pl- classic, if I heard it, conf- uh, can neither confirm nor deny, but expect. So basically, like, this is what I think I'm seeing. This is my interpretation of what's happening, mm-hmm. but I don't promise it. That's the classic Intel thing where people will say something without saying anything because they do not want to be labeled as the guy who made a call and was wrong. Oh, sure. So they constantly, that, that is really the Intel field to a, to a T. Plausible deniability. Exactly. That is, that is everything in Intel. And that's that not giving is, anything away, but that is huge right now. It's like working with stocks. You're yeah. a stock broker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, not I, I, yeah, based on the movements. It yeah. might work, but I'm not saying it will. You might have a huge call, but you're going to be like, I'm pretty sure of this, but maybe not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, truly, like guys do not yeah. want to be wrong. And that actually hurts Intel to some extent. Sure, because now yeah. nobody's like giving full confidence. So us. it's fair to say that your job specifically was pretty high stress. Uh, so much so that that is one of the high, I mean, I would have, would have gotten out anyway, probably, yeah. but that made sure that I was getting out. Like yeah. it was very much. Cause I mean, not only are you dealing with other people's lives, like with the Intel you're yes, giving, but you're right. also like worrying about like, your is reputation this, in, and is yeah, this, is this yeah. Intel good enough that yeah. I'm not going to ruin my own job. And the people briefing, I was a professional public speaker in the Navy because I would not only have to do my own Intel. I would then have to brief important people. I do not pretend to be like the most important person there. I would brief important people on the information that I acquired through the intel. Who are probably like 20 years your senior. At least. Yeah. At least. And it's high stress. Like, he's going to tell you. I don't know how many times you got to come across a four-star. I would actually have to go in the four-star's office and brief him on intel. So God, what, God like, forbid I be wrong so about anything I'm saying. When you say four star, like how high above that, that is, is the highest. Okay. That oh, is wow. the highest. Now it's the highest in my region. Higher would be like going to the white house, which like I, we talked about publishing something and it going there and then reading it. That happens too. And there you want to be really good, but I don't actually have to like brief the POTUS on sure. what's <laughs> happening personally. But uh, so really four stars are the highest you're going to get to it's talk like to. Step down from like secretary of defense. Yeah. You right. Know, it's like. Uh, Pretty, yeah, pretty high pretty up high. there. Big, big they, high. they talk with each other, and it's like, yikes. And if they Honestly, care, they know their shit. So if, like, you, if you see one of those guys coming down the hallway, you turn the other way, or you go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> oh, man. you don't even want to see yeah. him. But I couldn't, because I'm in a combatant command. I would walk past like a two-star, like on my way to go to the John all, every day, it felt yeah, like. Yeah. like Hey, so, Chuck. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> combatant commands had so many high-ranking officers, which is good. At, actually, in Keys and Defense, like, is good, because... A lot of like, let's take like a small warship. They don't have the everyday ranks, like high ranks up there that I was seeing every day. So I'm not even going to pretend it was as like bad. Right. Because you were on a base, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would see them and it wasn't weird. Whereas if I was on a ship and that was the case, I would hate my life. (laughs) Because they're there for a reason. Yeah. Like they're there and they, they also, their egos, I feel like go, I I can't even correct me, but I think they go sky high. 
because there's yeah. so much rank where I mm-hmm. was that they kind of brought him down a little bit. What Keezen was, I mean. I feel like for you guys, like, we didn't have that really on our ships. Oh, okay. So our ships were, they were USNS, so it's US, it's like a government, it's like a government contracting. So they have, like, their own ships, they have their own, like, branch, I guess you could say, <clears throat> for, like, supply and stuff like that. So we didn't have any, like, Navy officers. We had, mostly our mission commander was, like, a chief, and then we had maybe... I don't know, a couple first classes and then the rest were like seconds and thirds so we didn't have it was like a team we usually had teams of between eight man 10 man and 12 man teams and that was all the military active military that were really on our ships right it was more than we came into bahrain like the base we had there i think it was fifth fleet oh, it oh was. Tom, there, i mean that's so the i mean there was base in the middle east for us right so it's big hub there Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we don't deal with, like, for me, I don't deal with them at all. Like, you know, the higher-ups and all like that. And so I'm like, every time you see them, it's just like, oh, gotta go this way. So it is just, like, almost universal and, like, relatable thing. Like, I, boss, my boss is a great guy. Mm-hmm. Never want to see him. <laughs> but, like, if you see, yeah. like, your boss, or in this case, you know, generals and leaders of men in the military, that typically is just, like, you turn the other way. Right. I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel like normally, like for me, I didn't have to interact with them. So I guess that might have made me more nervous okay. just because maybe they're really chill or whatever, but you never know. And I don't want to take the chance of <laughs> pissing off this guy who's high up and he can tell my superior and it's like, no, nope, not dealing with it. The military, and obviously there's a lot of jobs in the civilian field where this can relate to, but the military is very ego-based. Everyone's got a rank. Everyone feels like they really earned the rank that they have. Mm. And everyone's kind of feels like... And I'm saying, like, everybody generically. Obviously, it's not actually everybody. But a lot of people are really proud of what rank they're wearing and how they got there. And that leads to easy confrontation if, like, you aren't careful. One of my questions I definitely had is what is that community like, or I guess the culture, if you will. Um, Like, I've also heard that it can sometimes get a little ego-based because, like you mentioned, people are proud of their rankings. But does that... I guess almost hinder performance at times. I I like to joke that the worst people stay in the military. Meaning, <laughs> meaning right. like sure. it's just a joke. Obviously, sure. there's very good people who made it very far, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of really chill people get out because mm-hmm. they're like this is very egotistical. A lot of like stepping on each other to get further, mm-hmm. and that's just not the vibe for a lot of people. So a lot of them get out, meaning there's more room for those people who I just mentioned to excel and get further ahead. And that can lead to some leadership issues because then you have leadership who kind of are a little. Yeah. It's and for the Navy. I know some other branches, they do it different, but you're kind of like your the test to get up your advancement tests and stuff like that. It's, it's not really based on character and leadership qualities. I guess you'd say it's more test taking. And do you know certain questions? And obviously, they're going to, you know, the chiefs and the higher-ups are going to vote on vote on you as a person, like for higher-up positions, so mm-hmm. more likely to be qualified for that. But for, like, you know, low-ranking going up, it's mostly just tests. So if you're a good test taker and you can study and know your shit, then you're fine. That's but, interesting that there's a lot of tests. It's almost. It sounds like, from what I just heard, it's a mixture of truly test-taking and almost who you know. Right. 
um, in terms of anything. like the like to I guess maybe recap a little bit. So I guess how do you even form those kinds of important connections? Like in my world, like you do networking, like you do happy hours, or just like some bullshit right. like that. Like how do you how does that even work in I guess uh in the Navy like you're stations in Bahrain right like how do you even like build those connections with I guess that one's almost important people yeah that one's almost a little bit tougher because it's not I feel like civilian you can get by with like knowing more like people wise sure you know the head of this guy he's like he can just be like oh I'll give you the job like yeah there's no real test involved for us you have the advancement test and you have to have high scores you know to get or high enough scores to get in but I think the problem is it comes to the dividing factor of oh they both have really good scores but you know say this guy they like him more they interact more they're sure. like oh give it to this you know he has a certain last guy. name maybe could be but military is a little bit different I guess sure. for that wise yeah but yeah it's I don't know I wish it would be more based on the personality how hard they work their leadership yeah. because there's a lot of guys that get promoted and it's like why are you there why right. are you in a leadership role when this guy right here has way better leadership right you're yeah. obviously not fit to be in you just want this for kind of like is there it's a lot of bumping. power trip kind of guys yeah, oh yeah yeah that's main that's a lot of them it's like i imagine I after that five and six year i guess but like that's the typical range when people's contracts expire like they don't choose not to sign on uh for more time is that when people typically get like those promotions? Like the people that do choose to stay on, because it's like it there's is, no one else left, and it's also like their life. Right. It's weird because the year that you came in, like to the Navy, like sometimes they'll hire more. Say I was a GM, they hired a lot of GMs when I came in. So when I was taking those advancement tests for, mm-hmm. you know, to get E5, E6, which is you start at E1, and then. You can get higher going into boot camp. There's different, if you like, what's it? Um, like give another person's name that joins. What is that called? Like a referral? Yeah, there Jinx. you go. Good one. You got to know more than I do. You owe me, <laughs> you owe me a hosting. <laughs> you hosting? Yeah, you have to. Okay, sounds good. You're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back He's later. out of here. I'll yeah. be back later, You hear the mic go set down? I'll do it, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Like it kind of like so the You're referral the thing, <laughs> the referral thing. So since Mark's brother was the okay, you know, yeah, I mean, oh okay. Do you care if we say your brother's name? I don't. <laughs> I mean, I can bleep. Oh it boy, either. either way. Well, he kind of like set it up. It's so like up. instead of bleeping it, it's like you muddle in like. <laughs> Mark's brother and like lists like a famous <laughs> Mark's brother, Will Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> like the computer voice too. Well, I mean, it might be a good site. I just had a, another question here. Um I guess with the you guys did a ton of international travel, of course, like Mark you mentioned, uh going to Colombia for uh for a time. Yeah, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> I heard you gambled a lot. Yeah, I was I gonna did. say like, <laughs> how much like of a I guess a culture shock was there because like we all have very Big similar time. Their eggs and milk are warm. Okay, the milk is warm. Yes, what? It's not refrigerated. Like on is this like on purpose well, or it's just yes? Like, it's in I bags guess also- on the shelves. Okay, like the so it's in bags. bags. Yes, 
Only bags. <laughs> Only I was gonna say because you like look I've seen, so scarred. I've right seen now. people like with bagged milk. I'm like, why is this a? It's thing? only bags. No, it's granted, so Quick Trip here does bags. I don't know what's going on there, but yes. yeah, yeah. Well, get, get <laughs> that under control. Who's, yeah, who's doing that? Quick who's, going to, who's going to Quick Trip? I grant I've sold these. Do you, what are they doing? Do you have milk? Home? How do you pour? Obviously, how it's do going, you pour I've a bag of milk? It's obviously going into a separate container, which is fine. But it's like, how much but money it, are you no, saving? There's that what? one psychopath that just clips the corner. No, and then he, oh. he puts a little clip yeah. on it. Oh. Or he's like rubber banding it. It's just like, I don't know. That, that's not going to work. The holes at the top he puts in the fridge. It's just like, all right, don't spill. <laughs> don't move. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> how big are bags of milk? It can vary. Like, are you talking like a gallon bag of milk? <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm shocked. I didn't think a sackcloth full of milk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, uh, anyways, how much different over? was it other than the bag? It milk? was very different. Um, are you on a base? Like, is there a no, base there? Or when you I, more? I was there on Intel, so I was oh, gotcha. just I was I was working out of the embassy for sure. But but you were kind of an everyman. I was an everyman. They actually had us uh, wear our hair closer to like how you know all the Hispanics they were wearing it, and that, and that was mm-hmm. that was good. Um, you have to have pictures of that, right? Yeah, well. And then, <laughs> uh, but uh, you just lived in a civilian apartment. Sure. Uh, it was owned by the government, but mm-hmm. um, then I would take, uh, it was kind of cool. I would take a bulletproof vehicle to work every day and do the stuff I had to do there. And, and then I just kind of blended in. Now, I'm white as hell. So, like, <laughs> and I'm German. So they definitely knew I was from America. And right. my Spanish was ass. Uh, that was probably the biggest. You got to give us a little Spanish right now. No, no, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> like, like, I know un poco. Like a little un bit. bag of milk. Yeah. <laughs> when I was there, no, I did learn a little bit when Dos I was equis. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you're really on your own. I'm telling you right, right now, uh, I even ordered my, I had to order my food in Spanish. Yeah. And right. uh, so if you want to get by, you better learn Hot a little. Tacos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Corn not... tortilla. Yeah, yeah. I'll take a taco supreme. And then yeah. they're like, all right, gringo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I remember I was trying to order scrambled eggs a lot, and I'd be like, uh, dos huevos un ro- revolto or something it was like scrambled or swirled or something like oh, that, sure. con queso or something. So, anyway. but it was it was just because if you didn't know, like you weren't gonna eat, like, yeah. you, uh, and they weren't sending people to help you at the embassy. There were obviously people who you could ask, but you were nervous because you don't want to look like an idiot. A lot of the people there working, if you're working in the Colombian embassy. Those people know Spanish. So if you come in there like a total gringo and you're like, can you help me order food? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're you're wearing an I Heart New York yeah. shirt for yeah. whatever reason. Like, yeah. Can you come with me to breakfast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Say scrambled yeah. And you're only, and even there, like that's only through working hours. When I go home, they're not sending me reinforcements to live my life in a foreign yeah. country. Like I'm, right. you're on your own. I have one other buddy I'm deployed with mm-hmm. who was, that was great. Cause like we could go out and have fun. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, if I want to go out and you're free to do what you want, like, they're not going to hold your hand. There were zones you can't go to because, you know, there's stuff going on. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, they would, pre- they would make you, there's a brief to let you know where you can and can't go. And then it's, and then you're on your own. If I want to go to the gas station and get food, I can do that. No one there. Uh, this isn't like Spain or Europe where, like, and I don't want to stereotype, but like, white people don't speak very good Spanish. Mm. A lot of times. So a lot of people in Europe, where there's a lot of tourism, they know English too. Credit to them. Like, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, we just told them, you yeah. do it. Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. In South America, not the case. In Colombia, almost nobody I walk, especially like, 
uh, if I'm going to a gas station, the cashier there does not know English and he's not about to. Sure. So like you have to know your stuff to get by. If I run into the police, they very likely don't know English. Mm. So if they want to harass me, because as best as I try and look the part, if they're like, this dude's not from here, I'm going to try and tell him that he owes me 20 bucks because of where he's walking. Like they can try and do that. Right. And their corruption is big there. Yeah. And, uh, Obviously, Colombia is an ally, so it's not like they're an adversary to our government. But at the same time, like there are people there, it's kind of it's a borderline third world country. So mm-hmm. they're everyone's just trying to get by, and if they think they can hackle an American for a few extra bucks, then like they're gonna do it. Sure, that makes sense. So, so it was pretty different then. For very, very different, and I would never take it back. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, because that can be very daunting. It is daunting, especially like because they, they basically, you know, they're like, you're, you're 20 years old or whatever I was at the time, 1920. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're going to go on a plane by yourself over to a foreign country. I remember going through customs there. I speak no Spanish. Okay. I, I didn't take Spanish. I took German in high school. I told you I learned some Spanish, but it was only once I had been there for a while. Right. And these guys are telling me, I remember they gave me my customs form and I didn't fill any of it out. <laughs> like, like everyone else did everyone else did but uh-huh. then the guy i got so lucky the person looks at my customs form and i didn't feel any of it out he takes one look at me he goes Ugh. and he says and he's points like oh my cool. i'm not kidding i'm not kidding wow you. now granted i had a government level passport so they were not gonna mess with me which was so nice but if I didn't have that, I look like an absolute ass. <laughs> like I I'm too not, good for this form. I did not know what I it's was like doing. It's like sitting through your ACT when you, yeah. you've, like, time's up, and you're like, here you go. Filled out. Even the guy who picks you up from the airport is strictly Colombian. Yeah. Right. Like, you are com- you are in the wild. From the minute your plane touches down, you are on your own. Mm-hmm. Good luck. <laughs> get to your home. Get ready to show up for work. Sure. And if you can't do it, We'll find you when we can. Like that, that's, that's like basically how it goes. And like a uh, big thing in Colombia is the FARC, which is like, I don't, I don't, I can't speak to this anymore. I'm not in it. So I don't know if the FARC is considered like a terrorist or drug, drug organization anymore. But like the point is like. Lord Farquaad? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Grandpa Lord Farquaad. He huffed and he popped and he signed his eviction, eviction order. notice. Yeah. But, um, and he didn't sign his custom form. Yeah. I loved it because it was the first time I had to really be like, like I'm on my own. I'm doing this, the real thing. And it's cool. Like not everyone in the Navy, there are things in the Navy where they really will hold your hand. Like you can pick rates where someone will always change your diapers and like always take care of you. This was not one of those times, and, mm-hmm. and that was really, really special, really, really cool. And It's kind of like the military experience of studying abroad and just, like, throwing yourself into a new thing that you've yes. never done before. Yes, with stakes, where, like, if anyone knew why you were there, right. like, that would not uh, Yeah, be it's obviously more stressful. Oh. But. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're right. You, no, Jacob's right. Like, you, you go to a place you haven't been to for, like, foreign exchange students, they can kind of talk to it. You are on your own. If I'm a foreign exchange student and I lose my wallet... And I don't know where to stay. Like, you're still effed. So, like, yeah. there, is, there is still some similarities there. But as far as the jobs go, though, what was stressful about that is, like, being involved in things that control people's lives. Um, like, if you're, we talked about the Intel reports before not being wrong. I would say that being wrong and losing your credibility is, is a light issue compared it's, to yeah. getting an Intel thing wrong and being responsible for someone's life in that situation. Like, that is no joke. Friend and foe. Like, if I'm going to give a, a report saying where an enemy is, 
and they're going to go take that guy out, mm-hmm. I better be right yeah. about what I just said. Because, well, that it wouldn't be good otherwise. And even so, like, I remember kind of dealing with that kind of thing and still not feeling good. I don't know what these guys might have done. You know, I don't know sure. what they're responsible for. But there's something about, I didn't, like, I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't sure. personally put anyone down. But when you know that you gave reports that made it possible to put people down, it's still kind of like you feel responsible passively for what happened to some people. I guess, how do you, I guess, is compartmentalize? Is that the right word? Big thing is you don't talk about it. I I, I did get into like some really, you know, this gets into personal stuff, but I feel very comfortable talking about it at this point. Mm -hmm. Like you get into some really dark places for sure. sure. You definitely do. Uh, I think the biggest thing is you learn to not feel anything, so that's good and bad. You don't really feel the bad that much because you don't feel anything. But the diff- the problem with that is then when things are good, you also don't really feel that either, and then you always just feel pretty yeah it's the same. Did you find yourself, I guess, in your brain where you like, this is work, like this is a job? Yeah, I, I also felt like an obligation to do it. Like no one, someone's got to do it. Right. And um, they're not going to feel sorry for you if you can't. So, yeah. and you don't want to, Keith's been talking about this, everyone's replaceable and you don't want to be replaced. So it's kind of like, are you willing to do this or are you too soft? And it's kind of like, well, I'm not soft. My dad said I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so, My yeah. mom said I'm Paul strong. Is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a t-shirt that says tough as nails or something yeah. like that. You guys were getting those boards under these basket. My dad yelling at you, come on. I mean, oh, yeah. I gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> tough right. guys wear pink, you know? That also speaks to like who you are as a person, though, like getting a position like that and then like how you feel about having that responsibility. Sure. Like for people like us who grew up, like we're taught to like care about others and help people when we can. So it's like for us, it's more of a struggle being in a position like that where you have other people's lives in your hands, depending on what you tell someone else. And some people could go into that and just be like, well, oh, well, just another day. The biggest shock to me, we talked about what it's like to be in a, in a different country, third world country, whatever that was like. The biggest shock to me was the level of trust once they identify you as a competent person. If you're not competent, they do. And I could tell those people too. There were people who did get clearances who I didn't feel should have one. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't give those people the chance to make calls, right? That they should be. So I, I give the military credit for that. Once they get through some wickets they shouldn't have gotten through, they usually still have a certain level where they're like, this person is not it. And, and then they, they might still give them jobs to do, but it won't be ones that are, like, life-altering. The amount of uh, responsibility, once you've gotten to that level of respectability, mm-hmm. they'll give on a young person, 19, 20, 21 years old. Right. It was shocking to me. Like, being able to make some of those calls was, like, even if I knew I was doing the right thing, like, and I was making the right call, I'm still kind of like, really? Like, who's my QC guy? Like who's, making, like, who's making sure, like, I'm doing the right thing? Like, yeah. there are, and there are. There's tons of control measures to make sure that things are being right. Nothing. There is almost no calls. Bordering the SEALs who literally shoot people. There are very few people who are making calls on their own, and mm-hmm. then it's just happening. Like, we're talking about, like, American Sniper, where he's just got to decide if he's going to shoot somebody. Very few people in the military overall get to do things on their own. They're usually like, this is what I think. Next guy. I agree with them. Next guy, I agree with them. You know, like there's checks, which right. there should be. That would be terrible. That That's part of why America is so great in their military is like mm-hmm. almost nobody is left alone to their own devices. Everyone's checked 
there's, you know, counterbalances and all that thing. So that's really, really good. But I just remember being young and making some of those calls and being like, even though I felt good about what I said, like, really? Like, I, right. I'm the one? Like, you just kind of are like, how did I get here? Yeah. You know? Like, you're looking around like, is there someone yeah. older? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> just, am I being punked? Yeah. yeah I, I remember I? when I was at Southcom and a hurricane hit uh, a country and nobody could get into the command that was higher level than me that should have been holding the position I was doing. And no one was there. And I'm talking to like these high-ranking officers about mm-hmm. things I've seen on imagery and where I think the help needs to go for this hurricane relief or whatever. And they were taking my word for it. And it's kind of like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> right. And I'm like, like this just doesn't feel... It, it just felt so weird. Because right. you, can, you can practice, you can train for these situations. But once you're really in it, you're like, this is real life. Like, this isn't a game this isn't call of duty yeah this like isn't fake position of power but at that age yeah you actually it, think about you probably think about it more now i feel like just like the broad scale honestly of- i haven't really thought about it much until this talk right now i've mostly shut off most of the military stuff mm-hmm. i think that's what most guys do i i talked to them like you talk to people who were like do you ever ask a grandpa like what he was in and sure. some were like he never talked about it like that can come from two things. It can come from real PTSD. I want to be very clear. I did not personally have to like shoot anybody or right. get, get into the weeds. Did I see some terrible things? Ask anyone who had to do with the cartel. You've seen things you wish you never would have seen. Oh God! But it's still different being there in person from the things I had to see secondhand, and I, I get why those people never talk about it. But. uh if someone asked me right now, it's totally getting off topic. But if someone asked me right now, like you could either be captured by like Al Qaeda or one of the terrorist organizations, or get caught by like one of like the Mexican cartel. I'm picking mm-hmm. Al Qaeda every day of the week. Oh God! Like, mm, the really? drug cartels, what they will do to you and do to people you know, and just in things in general, is far worse than what you can possibly imagine. Right. Uh, like you always hear stories about it, but like you never know if they're. It's true yeah. and worse. I, I, right. I don't think the things I saw from those people, I actually didn't know real people were capable of. Right. And I wonder what that happens. It's got to be, I mean, I know what a lot of it is, but yeah. it's definitely targeting recruitment in those organizations at youth where you can train young children to be okay doing and seeing things they didn't know that they shouldn't be okay doing. Well, I, we kind of talked about this before you got here, me, Austin, and Evan, about like in cults and stuff like that where children are born into a cult. It's like they grow up knowing they don't that know anything different. Yeah, all of like what they know is how everyone's treated in the cult. So like they could be raised from like a baby to like 14 15 years old and they could think that like oh yeah mommy and daddy aren't together that he mom's with that guy over there but they're actually my parents and it's just like that's normal yeah so it's just depends on what the environment you grow up in it has a huge impact on how you perceive the world sure so yeah it's it's interesting yeah, not in a good. I'm not saying it's good. Yeah, but right. it's, yeah. it's interesting yeah. from our like outsider perspective. So. Good things though. When I was in Colombia, for example, the casinos tables are way cheaper. So like, <laughs> hey, there we so go. Like, uh, in here in America, a lot of times we go play blackjack, and the minimum bet's like 15 bucks. Over there, it'd be like a quarter. So I could just go and play like all night, and that was a lot of fun. The clubs there are really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Totally, there were a lot of a lot of good aspect aspects of it. Hispanic women are really pretty. Yeah, yeah. Um, the authentic so, Mexican food, I'm sure. Yeah, not Mexican. Yeah. Still the same music. Food. Food. Yeah, yeah. So there were good things too. I guess we talked a little bit about the community beforehand while you're in the Navy. What's the community like after, like when you're done? Because I'm like, you guys got to hang out a little bit uh, at the end of your time, like of your contracts in Virginia Beach. I'm sure that's, I guess, you just build more relationships there uh, with, of course, you two, you've known each other forever, but with like other people. Um, I guess, what's the community like, like when you're done? Especially for like you, Austin, because you went overseas and then came back and spent like the remainder of your time back yeah, here. Yeah, so I don't know. It was definitely enjoyable. I know when Mark, me, Mark, and uh, well, our classmate Ethan, he was yeah. there, and uh, so we'd watch Packer parties on Sundays and hang out and just get together. And that was it was everything, probably dude. It was literally the best, the best yeah. morale boost. Well, yeah, sure. then we played Call of Duty for Call of Duty. Things being online, their friends. I had friends come visit. Jacob's been there before with a group. That was such a big boost to morale. Right. I actually, I, I say this, but I don't mean it any less than what I'm saying. It it saved me. Like, it definitely kept it tolerable. Maybe Keys can say that too, but. Yeah, I met some great friends there, you know, and, you know, besides once you get out, you lose a little bit of contact. You know, you're not going to be as tight as you were when you were there with them, but still friends with them. It's kind of nice, you know, nice keeping in touch with them, mm-hmm. just knowing. Was it nicer but, being like on a base back here than being on a ship overseas, or was there one that you preferred over the other? I don't really? know. Being overseas, you almost had a special, more special connection because once you leave the base, you're pretty much it. You're all you have, right? Yeah. You're, you know, basically on your own with each other. And, you know, here in the U.S., I think it was a little bit different. Still, obviously, you're surrounded by, I'd say, more, more quantity of people, mm-hmm. but. I don't know if it's better, I guess. I think you're more comfortable here. Yeah. But I think you create stronger bonds over there. But you had a good experience oh, overseas, yeah. you would say? Oh, yeah. Great experience. I, I Like Mark said, I don't want to take it back for anything. That's good. It was really, really beneficial. and Seeing a lot of great things and some not so great and just kind of live with that. I think just like adding that different cultural perspective from like both of your experiences, I think that's big. Because like... Right. For someone like Evan and I, I mean, we can travel, but there's no way we're going to get the same type of experience that you guys got by doing a military stint over overseas in a different country. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. It's it's cool to hear your guys' experience versus like something we would experience going on like a tourist trip there, you know? Sure. I just One last question I had for you guys, I guess. What are some of some classic misconce- or I guess misconceptions that people may have about service or Mm. like the navy maybe in particular that you would only really know like once you're actually in it like how it's portrayed and maybe move like movies are always gonna be exaggerated but like it's where some kind of misconceptions that reflecting on your time it's been what two three years two years that you guys almost three when you look back at it like what are some things that you never knew or like going into it, you thought might have been like different, just like those little misconceptions. I think one thing. This is more general. I want to say is like everyone. Everyone thinks people in the military are like above the average citizen, and they're not. 
people, you have the same problems just on a lower scale in the military than you do in civilian life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, murders, you got, you know, rapes. Granted, you the, got, the stakes are a little higher. Like, yeah, uh, right. If you, they are. you're going to the brig, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously different. Different in that sense for me, I guess, what I thought. Everyone, I know they talk highly, and I do agree. Like, it is definitely a sacrifice. It's a big thing to willingly go and do it. Mm-hmm. But Especially at the time period you guys went when you were still, yeah. like, 18, 19 years old. Like, right. that's a formative part of your life. So right. going and making a decision to do something like that is definitely something to be respected and, like, looked at right. as honorable. So I would... I respect both of you for making that decision because, I mean, obviously, I didn't sure. do it. For you two to both make that decision and do it, I definitely give you guys props. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that. I would say also to like all the service members out there or veterans who are reserved, it's as much what you gave up as what you did. Not everyone who served did something particularly excellent. Some of them served, did their time, they did a bunch of watches, and they got out, and like that's totally fine. But... Most people gave something up to mm-hmm. do that, whether it was the freedom to pursue something else, the freedom to choose when they get to go to bed, or uh, when they got to get up in the morning. Like, those might seem small, but over the course of a four to six plus years span, I would say that without, even without doing something outstanding, mm-hmm. you did make sacrifices in other ways. So, right. Um, just, I mean, weddings, funerals, birthdays, things you miss, yeah. just everything. Yeah. It does add up. And then the other way, there's parks. People who had nothing getting in will tell you they found a family mm-hmm. by serving. Yeah. I'd say it's a big thing. The, the number one uh, person or type of person who I saw stay in were people who had nothing when they got in at first. And they found everything once they got in. And that's pretty cool, too. Um, so it can go both ways. But the... Biggest stereotype I noticed that was different from like how it's portrayed to like what my experience is. Almost nobody has a gun. Almost no. <laughs> no, I'm just being real. Like no, I would that say, is very fair. I would say I don't want to exaggerate. I would say two percent of military members are actively carrying for yeah. their career, even on ships. Ships like the sentry guards and the the MAs, they'll be carrying you know pistols and whatnot. But other than that, yeah, average people walking around. Half of them aren't even qualified to carry a gun. That is super interesting because I think that is probably like one of the biggest misconceptions when you think of the military. Yeah, you always get you're always strapped. uh, You get like the mess hall like scraps, and then like everyone pulls guns on each other or something like that. Like it's a western. Yeah, like like, it's a most modern and advanced military in the world. It's gonna vary where you're stationed. Yeah, if you if sure. you gotta be carrying because of where you're at, that's different. But you know, I keep I, that motherfucking thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> just my Yu-Gi-Oh card. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's more like Navy. Like you're not. No one's almost no one is carrying. Because I mean, why you, do you need to? Right. Right. Like if yeah. like especially have like guns. someone in your position yeah. where it's like you're going into an office. Yeah. Who's gonna our, have our, foreign and you know we'll invaders ship. on a ship? We'll, we'll think about our ship, like. You got enough carrying guns. missiles. You got yeah. enough guns. <laughs> like, you better not have gotten close to board. Yeah, if you, like, if, if, if you're boarding, grab, we're effed. If that guy like, has to grab an F9 or an M4, you're screwed. Yeah. Like, uh, let me put it this way. Are... If we're arming the rest of the crew, part of the ship, part of the crew, if you're arming the rest <laughs> of the crew, we're in some deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> guy so. with the missiles just can't aim or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, something's like wrong. But also, everyone in the Navy, they're not good swimmers. Everyone thinks they're like, oh, you're in the Navy. You can swim, right? It's like, I've met a lot of people who can't. I can stay afloat. I'm not a great swimmer, but. 
I'll still never forget. I'm sure you know what story I'm going to tell. I'll never forget. I think it's like two weeks before you're about to leave for the Navy. And we're all around the bonfire. And I think someone asked you like what, like what the tests are or something. And you mentioned the swim part of it. And mm-hmm. you just drop. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I think I'm just going to wing it. And it's like a quarter. <laughs> how long is that swim? Like a quarter mile, a mile? The, the toughest thing, well, you, could, you stayed afloat Come for at least five minutes. Yeah, you have to tread water for. You got to tread time. water for. I think it's like two or three minutes, and then you got to swim. It's at least five. No way. It's a five-minute test. I, think. Hmm. I can't count that well either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Especially you when you're just he winging high it, so. as you did on the test. <laughs> yeah. so, well, think, well, we had to jump in. With, well, we had to jump in with overalls on, and then they taught us how to stay afloat. You open up the overalls, yeah, and yeah, you push. Right. You know, you punch, basically punching into the overalls, mm-hmm. and that creates an air pocket, and you can kind of float. That's kind of cool, actually. That's yeah. why the witches floated back in the day, because they had so much clothes on. They just yeah, had a bunch see? of air bubbles. <laughs> that was oh, the problem. You meant they just kept them punching their sides. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> Same thing, you know. Early yeah. military training. Yeah. That is super interesting. That one is like, you really don't know. I mean, yeah, basic swimming. But sure. like Mark said, at that point, if you're overboard, you're in a lot worse situation. Just wait till the sharks come. Oh, gosh. Or the dolphins. Or the dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a bad dolphin nightmare. No, I'm kidding. But, like, final things. Like, is there anything that you would tell someone who's thinking of going into the military, like, before they would go in? Like, whether it's pro, con, whatever you want to say to them. I don't know. Like, it's different for everyone. It's not going to work for everyone, and some people it will. I guess... What am I going to say? Believe in yourself that you can do it because you can. A lot of people go through it and you can do it. You just, I think it really, a lot of people, I think it builds more confidence that they can do it. Um, I know boot camp's kind of a big, everyone's like, oh, boot camp, you know, it gets the big, big rush of feeling. It's like, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. It's like, if you're really actively, you know, you're trying to do it, I'd give it your all. It definitely is worth, it's a worthwhile experience. Yes, you're going to sacrifice a lot of things, but I think it's worth it. More specifically, don't get finessed by your recruiter. Uh, <laughs> pick, A.K. your brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't, but like, oh, the gotcha. average person, uh, right. pick a good rate. If you don't know what rates are good, uh, you want my honest opinion? If you want to find out what rate is good, find out someone in the military who you know is in Intel or in not like a boatsman, boatsman mate boatsman or whatever. Mate, yeah. yeah, don't you just got to be really careful because the recruiter will fill a billet based on what the Navy needs to get you in the in the military as quickly as possible, and that is not the move. Well, and mm-hmm. they talk it up too. Yeah. Not so. saying he talked it up, but even with yeah, yeah I, I, it's like, yeah. hey, you can go and shoot a bunch of guns. I'm like, oh, it sounds great. Yeah, and no. then you just what do I know? I'm just, your I'm just working on them and your yeah. recruiter is not them. there to set you up for success. Your recruiter there is there to get you in as a number. So the that fam- is the Family Guy skit where they show like the video of the guys in the Hummer like blowing stuff up and yeah, then getting a bunch of money. Yeah, you're pretty pretty narrow, pretty small chance of that. But then furthermore, if you don't know what you want to do in your life and you're young, I, I highly suggest the military. Nobody that I know has joined the military, and even if they separated after their first contract, nobody I know has been in a worse spot because they joined, and almost all of them are in a better spot. So if you're in the 
I don't know what I want to do with my life. What should I do next? I, w- I would give the military a true four-year shot. Take a minimum contract. It likely means you're taking a worse job, admittedly, so you probably want to do like five to five or six. But join the military, and then even if it wasn't for you, when you get out, you will be set up for a more successful life based on everything I've seen just because you joined. And it's an honorable thing to do. People talk about reasons they joined. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to pay for school, all these things. There is something to be said for the fact, like, our country needs you. There's a reason that we do not draft, and that is because of a lot of people volunteering. The minute that goes away, we are not as good a country as we are right now. So I, I just think it's a good thing to do regardless of where you're at. Love it. Definitely. Well, thank you guys a ton for joining us. I know this is probably, I mean, by far one of my favorite conversations that we've had on this show. And, and I know absolutely like a, love lot it. Of, a lot of people don't like talking about their service, depending on like what they did and what they experienced. So I'm glad you guys are willing to come and talk to us about it. Provide yeah, it perspective. Because again, a lot of people, when they think military, they think everyone has a gun and right. like Toby <laughs> Keith, like booting your <laughs> oh, ass yeah. and stuff. So there's just so much. So much that you guys do and so much like an incredible work ethic and everything that you have to give up. So definitely appreciate, appreciate y'all. Yeah. But, thanks for having us. Yeah. But yeah, um, like Evan said, uh, you know, we say thank you for your service, but we don't always think like what that all entails. And, you know, you're giving up six years in your guys' case of your life to serve a country for people that you've never met and people you probably never will meet. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I guess that kind of concludes our episode for today. Uh, if you want to continue the conversations, um, you can find us on Twitter at gems underscore history. And then you find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at gems of history podcast. Um, do either of you guys have anything you want to plug, like a social media or a Venmo? A Venmo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, that is so weird. He had a joke. I was going to plug Keeson's Activision ID for like. Yeah. You want to come watch me suck on you? You want to squat on over. Yeah. Right. Where are we dropping, boys? Yeah. Where are we yeah. dropping, boys? All right. Well, if you guys don't have anything to plug, since we are recording this Thanksgiving week, let's each say one thing we're thankful for. So, Mark, let's start with you. This is going to, this is honestly going to be the hardest question that. I know, exactly. <laughs> I would say, and I know it's cliche, but I am very grateful for good friends like the ones sitting at this table who make my life way more enjoyable than it otherwise would be. Austin. That's very sweet. Well, I want to second that, but also I am very thankful for my fiance, which I had to drive two and a half hours today. She forgot her purse in my car. It's lucky oh, a no. shot. It's, yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's like, <laughs> will she listen to this and hear that? <laughs> we, so, yeah, we, we'll expect, see. we expect uh, a review from, from your feedback. <laughs> she's she's expecting her. the diss. <laughs> yeah. Evan, there how about is. you? Oh man. I mean, thankful for a lot of stuff. I mean, course was in that car accident that we mentioned so honestly thankful to be here um just thankful for i guess friends family zuki you know great dog keep it up keep dogging <laughs> she's looking she's looking at you like did he just speak <laughs> my language he knows my native tongue well jake what are you thankful for um honestly i'm thankful that i have 
a group of great friends, as everyone has mentioned, but I'm also thankful that we have a group of friends that's willing to communicate with each other like this, because I feel like not every group of friends kind of has these more intimate conversations, and the fact that we can do it onto a platform that Mm -hmm. we can let other people benefit from, you know, that's kind of cool, and not something I really expected to have, which, and thankful for everyone at home that listens to us, that, you know, keeps us doing something like this oh yeah our, our listeners yeah we got some, Shout we got out some y'all. good listeners yeah and if you guys got any questions military questions you can always ask uh ev or jacob and then they can pass it along or they can answer it themselves but or you can hit up mark on his own social medias he's uh at stein b 1073 i think on twitter yeah yeah so hmm. i don't have twitter as boss, i can't imagine i used to any socials but- yeah, no, not much. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys do have questions and you want to send them in, we can definitely have a another episode like this sometime in the future when we when we have a busy week or something and we need to uh, do something more relaxed or need time for research. Then we can just kind of pass those questions along to these guys and they can come back on and answer. And them. then yeah, Mark can just order various egg dishes and bags of milk in Spanish. Spanish lessons. Go to this guy. Yeah. Huh? all right well i think that is all we got for you guys this week we hope you guys enjoyed this i know it's a little more of a relaxed episode but with the holidays and stuff going on we probably will have a couple of weeks like this where we just kind of sit down and have a chat with some some of our friends so that we can uh take the week off to enjoy the holidays so we're not pressuring ourselves to get episodes out and i hope you guys under understand that at home but yeah we'll definitely have some more content coming for you guys soon and I hope you guys learned something from this, but we hope everyone had a very wonderful holiday if you are celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States. If you're out of the country, I don't know if you're celebrating anything, but I hope you had a great weekend. So uh, we will be back with you guys next week, and we got some fun stuff planned before the end of the year, and we will be getting to that very soon. So everyone at home, we love you. Thank you for listening, and stay polished, my friends. I'm forced to say that because Evan yelled at me last week, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, I've dug myself a hole. Bye, guys.